Hi, you're listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. We're releasing our sermons so that no matter where you were Friday, you can enjoy a piece of Shabbat today. Shalom, everyone. Shabbos. So nice to see you. It's so nice to be in person. It's so nice to be like in the round. There's people behind me, in front of me, all around me. I feel like I'm spending so much time with just the same human being. And I do love my husband, but it is nice to see <laughs> other human beings every now and then in the, in the flesh. So welcome. <clears throat> so I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I never spent more than a, a couple years living in the same place. And around the age of six or seven my mother and I moved to a small island community off the coast of San Diego, Coronado, which is really known for its beautiful beaches, very picturesque. There's a large naval base there. Not so picturesque, but there nonetheless. And we moved into this house, which was in many ways the picture-perfect beach home. It was white clapboards and green uh, like uh, shutters on the windows and a little grass square in the front and a brick path leading right up to the front door. And it was everything I think that you would want in a home, except it was haunted. (laughs) In addition to my mother and me living there, uh, there was apparently a ghost of a woman who had lived there decades before us. And I can't say that I ever saw this ghost myself, but my mom tells me stories about locked doors that would suddenly open and objects that were set in one place that would end up in another, or really weird, unexplained noises around the house when she was alone or I was there with her in the room. I do have one vague memory of this ghost, though. So my mother was a physician, so she uh, spent really late nights at the hospital, um, and she always insisted that no matter how late she came home, even if the nanny had already put me to bed, she would come in and she would kiss me goodnight. And I've always been a really light sleeper, so I remember these moments because when the door opened, I would wake up. And there was one night when she was working late again, and I remember waking up to somebody tucking me in and a hand resting gently on my forehead. And then a little while later, the door opens and my mother comes in to kiss me goodnight. It's spooky season. (laughs) I think as moderns and particularly as progressively minded folks, we hold rational thought in high regard. We like to know how things work. We like to understand why things are the way they are. And we like to make plans with a level head and a clear mind. This fits incredibly well with our inherited sense of what it means to be Jewish, of Judaism as a rational religion, a self-definition informed by generations and generations of philosophers and rabbis who felt that our spirit and our intellect can and actually should exist in tandem. Our faith doesn't stand on belief alone, but it's one that accommodates, if not encourages, questioning and arguing, a multiplicity of opinion, and the contingencies of our lived experience. We are the people of the book. After all, we are studious, and we are thoughtful, and we are deeply oriented toward the work that needs to be done today, in the here and now, not the promise of some vague hereafter. Do we believe in heaven? Maybe. Do we believe in an afterlife? Inconclusive. 
ghosts? No, right? <laughs> so what if I told you, my fellow people of the book, that our books actually contain a lot of ghost stories? Right? I've got some snaps there. <laughs> we love ghosts. What? We love ghosts. What if, <laughs> what if I told you that this very rational religion actually believes in the irrational and acknowledges that there are just some things that can't be explained. Perhaps you know that as Jews, we are a little superstitious. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But did you know that there's an entire history of wards and incantations of spells and rituals of exorcism mm. that are native to our tradition? So I want to tell you a ghost story. It'd be <laughs> kind of fun. Halloween is next weekend. So many, many years ago, a pious but very poor man was on his way home for Erev Rosh Hashanah when he was stopped by a beggar. Feeling compassion for someone who had so much less than he did, he gave his last dinar, some under, how much is a dinar? Five bucks, 10 bucks, let's say 10 bucks. His last 10 bucks, right? right? It depends on what the exchange rate is. That's you fair, know, right? But yeah, yeah, 10, 10 sounds right. Yeah, his last 10 bucks, right? <laughs> to this individual. When he got home, his wife was furious. She's like, where is that dinar? Where is that 10 bucks? How are we ever going to pay for the food to set the table for Rosh Hashanah to celebrate the new year? And perhaps a bit cruelly, she kicks him out on the street. So this man goes, and of course, he wants to find a place to rest for the night, and he chooses to rest in a cemetery, as you do. As he's dozing off, he hears two voices, the ghosts of two young girls speaking to each other about their plans for the evening. Come, my friend, says the first ghost, let's peer behind the veil and see what is in store for the year to come. You go on without me, says the second ghost. My family was poor, so I'm buried in reed matting. I'm a little embarrassed to wander around with you. But you come back and tell me what you've learned about the year to come. After some time, the first ghost returns and says, My friend, I found out that anyone who sows their fields at the first rainfall will have all of their crops destroyed by hail. The man cannot believe his luck. Like this, is, this is a great night for him now. That year, he sows his fields at the second rainfall, not the first. And lo and behold, his neighbor's crops are destroyed by hail. And he has this amazing, prosperous harvest. And so, of course, what does he do next, Rosh Hashanah? <laughs> he goes back to the graveyard. Spend the night there. And again, these two ghosts appear. The first ghost says, come, my friend, let's go peer behind the veil and see what's in store for the year to come. And the second ghost says, I already told you, I am buried in reed matting. I'm not wandering about like this. The sass is actually in the Talmud, by the way. I'm not, I'm not elaborating <laughs> this part. And you come back and tell me what's about to happen. And so a few moments later again, this first ghost returns and she says, I have found out that anyone who sows their fields at the second rainfall will have all of their crops destroyed by a blight. And so, of course... That year, the man sows his fields at the first rainfall, and his neighbor's crops are destroyed by blight, and he again has this amazing harvest. And so now his wife is getting a little suspicious about what's happening. She confronts him, and she says, what's up? Two years ago, you gave away our last dinar, and now we're rolling in it. We have many dinarim. 
<laughs> and he tells her everything, down to the last detail. Now, we've already established that the wife is not the kindest of people. And so it's a few weeks later, she gets into an argument with the mother of one of the deceased girls, one of the ghosts. And out of spite, maybe a bit vindictively, she says, well, I know you're so poor, you buried your daughter in reed matting. Not cool. Rosh Hashanah rolls around again. The man goes to the graveyard. He's excited to learn about what's in store for the year to come. And the first ghost says, come, my friend, let's go peer behind the veil again. And the second ghost says, no, my mother came to the graveyard to visit me, shamed by her neighbor. Clearly, the living have been spying on us and listening to what we're going to say. For now, let us remain silent. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Rabbi Stephen, clearly this story is a parable. It's a reflection of the fact that some people experience luck while others don't, and maybe it's a nice lesson about being good to your neighbors, not being a jerk. There is no way that this is proof that we sincerely as Jews believe in ghosts. So sure, that's a fair critique. So let me tell you about demons. (laughs) Now, some of you uh, who are with us for Rosh Hashanah might remember... Uh, that I uh, told us about um, a goat demon that would hang out in bathrooms. The rabbis took this goat demon very seriously. I don't know if any of you recall this. There's an entire page of the Talmud, this sacred text that is the foundation of our tradition we practice today. There's an entire page of our Talmud devoted to methods of protecting yourself from the bathroom goat demon. (laughs) Ranging from banging copper kettles to bringing an actual goat with you to scare the other one away. The problem, we're told, is that the goat demon is not the only one we need to worry about. In fact, the rabbis teach that demons are more numerous than humankind. And thank God, they say, we can't actually see them, because if we could see how many demons were around us constantly, we would feel, we wouldn't feel great. We would just, we'd feel really bad about about life. (laughs) And these demons are responsible for everything from unexplained joint pain, the inconvenience of crowds that suddenly appear, (laughs) and that annoying hole that appeared in a brand new shirt. You ever get the shirt of the closet and you're like, where'd this hole come from? Demons, apparently. Like they hadn't discovered moths yet 2,000 years ago. Maybe moths are actually demons. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Done. There's a few people who might agree with you on that one. So one particularly nasty demon that I want to tell you about is the Shavri-Ray. This demon likes to hang out in the cup of water that you put next to your bed that I then forget about and my husband gets mad about later. There's limited cups of water I leave next to my bed. (laughs) It's a problem. And this demon who lives in the cup of water next to your bed is one of the reasons that some people seem to be fine when they go to bed at night and then you wake up the next day not feeling great, not your best self. And there are two ways to outsmart this demon. One is to never drink water in the middle of the night without a companion. But if you're someone who sleeps alone, or if you find that you might, that might actually be worse to wake up the person in bed next to you so you can drink water, you can actually recite this simple spell. You say, so-and-so, the child of so-and-so, didn't your mother warn you about the shavri ray, very ray, re-ray, yire ray, who is found in pale cups? And apparently that incantation will protect you from this demon. So Halloween right around the corner, it's fun to explore some of these spookier aspects of our tradition, but 
for all the laughter, for all that we in our position today might look at these stories and say, how ridiculous are they? I think actually buried in them, there's a really important reminder that the mysterious and the mystical and the seemingly irrational are just as present in our lives mm. as those things that can be expl- as, as those things that can be explained or understood. If we take a moment to think about it, we know this is true. Mm. It's that time that you narrowly avoided disaster. It's the coincidence of being in the right place at the right time. It's the impossible chain of events that had you leading to the moment that you met your best friend, or the love of your life, or your favorite teacher. It's the nagging sensation that tells you to text someone, check in, and lo and behold, when you text them, they're like, I needed this right now. Mm-hmm. It's the sad knowing that someone you love has died even before you get that call. Mm-hmm. It's the way that the light and the breeze, and that feeling in the air come together on the perfect afternoon to make you feel like actually everything's all right, that I can get through this. It's that locked door that suddenly opens. It's those objects that disappear and reappear. It's that sense that someone has been here before. Mm. Yeah, our tradition encourages us to use our brains. We are brainy people. But just Mm. as our spirit should not be uninformed by our intellect, our intellect Mm. should not be free from our spirit. Mm For as much as we understand about the world around mm. us, there is still so much more to be amazed by. Mm. If only we open ourselves up to the mysteries around us. It's so my blessing for us in this week leading up to Halloween, which is not <laughs> even really our holiday, but <laughs> I'm embracing it. <laughs> is that alongside your desire, our desire to understand the world, we allow space a sense of wonder about everything that we do not understand. Amen. You've been listening to Shabbat Replay on Contact High, a podcast from Mishkan, Chicago. If you enjoyed this sermon and want to join us live, tune in to Shabbat services through Facebook most Fridays of the month and through Zoom two Saturday mornings a month. Our schedule of services and programs can be found at mishkanchicago.org slash events, where there's also a link to donate and support our work. And you can visit us on Facebook or Instagram at mishkanchicago. Until then... Please feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we want to hear from you. This episode has been brought to you by me, Zach Weinberg, our editor and producer, Hannah Rehack, our rabbinical team, Rabbis Lizzie Heideman and Dina Cowens, and our director of communications, Ashley Donahue. On behalf of Teen Mishkan, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.